Welcome to episode 224 of the Food Biz Wiz podcast. This episode is really special. It's an unscripted conversation with Anjali Bargava. She's a former retail ready student and a longtime coaching client of mine and the founder of Anjali's Cup. Today, you're going to hear Anjali speak about her intentional choice to be the tortoise in her business and why that served her so well, especially in the launch of her delicious, thoughtful, conversation-changing chai concentrate earlier this year. We discuss how she's grown her business over the past nine years without giving away equity and without compromising on her values, and how, in 2023, she had the highest sales year ever in her business and worked less than she ever has. So this episode is a good one. It is filled with truth and vulnerability and loads of wisdom. I can't wait for you to listen in. I'm Allie Ball, former grocery buyer and retail store manager turned wholesale consultant. In my role on the retail floor, I saw delicious, values-driven brands fail on our shelves simply because they didn't understand the behind the scenes of wholesale. I created the Food Biz Whiz podcast to give you hard-to-access insight from my career in the food industry and the tools and strategies to help you succeed on retail shelves. If you're a committed food founder who's looking to create and grow a packaged products business that positively impacts our food system, puts wealth back into your own hands, and employs members of your local community, you have found the right podcast. Let's do this. All right, food and beverage founders, listen up. Your time to join us inside of Retail Ready and to get extended access through March 31st is coming to a close. I know you want to go into January feeling like you've got a rock solid plan for pitching to wholesale buyers in 2024. And I know you also want that doable, realistic quarterly marketing strategy to support your sales once you're there. But I also know that you want some downtime over the holidays. That's exactly why we're giving you extended access through March 31st. Come join our 90-day program before the end of 2023. Get that business expense on this year's books, or heck, opt into our three-month payment plan option. You do you. And then you'll get extra access through March 31st so that you can take time off over the holidays without the guilt. What better gift can you give yourself than the gift of knowing exactly what you'll do come January to kick off the new year with a plan. Let's do it together inside of Retail Ready. Click on through to the information page in the show notes, and I'll see you in there. Hi, Anjali. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with me today. Hi, Allie. I'm so happy to be here again. Me too. I was trying to figure out when we did our last episode together, and I think it was either two years ago or three years ago. It was, you know what, I think it was two years ago because I think it was when I was figuring out what to do with my old inventory when I was getting ready to launch the rebrand as Anjali's Cup, Gotcha. if I recall correctly. I remember it being in the fall and in in Q4, so two years ago. Thank you for coming back. I'm excited to be here. I think I think that's around the time when I started working with you. Yeah. When 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 you became my coach. That is totally <laughs> true. Not that I okay. Because that was that was a few years earlier. 
That Uh, is totally true. Okay, we'll tell our listeners all about that. Um, But let me just set the stage here for our listeners, because this is this is a different type of episode. This is a totally unscripted episode. We, you know, I rarely bring on retail ready students or brands that I've worked with. And I, in general, on the podcast, I tend to highlight other service providers and I do solo episodes. And for our listeners in full transparency, I made this choice a couple of years ago because there were already other industry podcasts that focused on founder interviews. There were a bunch of them. And I knew that I wanted the Food Biz Whiz podcast to be different. But here we are 20, like 220 something episodes in. And I decided, why not? Why not bring in some of my favorite people and and have unscripted episodes and do more conversation style. So if you're listening and you like this, please let me know. We'll do we'll do more of them. So it leads us to our conversation today. Anjali, thank you. Thank you for being here. You know, I realize and we'll talk about this in a second, but I get the privilege of talking to you every every two weeks or so. And I love the conversations that we have. And it dawned on me, I don't know, a couple of months ago that our listeners might really appreciate hearing from you and hearing hearing an update and learning, learning from you as well. So thank you. Thank you again for saying yes. And I'm, yeah, excited. That's, I'm excited for I, them to have that gift. <laughs> It's 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 definitely an honor, and it really it it actually made me think when you asked me uh, to do this about you know like what that sort of meant to me. Like I know how much I've grown working with you, but like the fact that you actually thought that I had something to share <laughs> kind of made me. It, it was it, it made me feel good. <laughs> good. I'm glad you deserve it. You deserve it. So for our listeners who are like who the heck is this lady? What is Anjali's cup? Like, why is she here on the podcast? Let's just set the stage. So if if they have no idea who you are and what yeah. you make, can you give us so, the background? Yeah, I'm the founder of Anjali's Cup, which uh, I I rebranded from another, from Bija Bar a couple of years ago um, with the intention of growing and and changing what the business was. Um, it started with a focus on turmeric. Um, it's still uh, a line of Ayurveda-inspired um, drink mixes and spice blends, um, which include turmeric, two different turmeric drink mixes and chai masalas, which are spices to add to tea or to bake with or to do various other things with. And now also includes uh, masala chai and the tea itself for, for making chai. Yeah. I mean, gosh, I feel like when you, when you and I first met, this was probably to 2016, 2017. I'm not sure when yep. you, you first took Late, retail it was ready. Probably, I, I took retail ready in 2018, Okay, but we actually met when you were a mentor at Brooklyn food works before it was even pilot works, I believe. Yes. Or maybe it was Pilot Works. <laughs> it, no, it was Brooklyn um, Food Works. It was when yeah. I started being a mentor there. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. that was probably 2016 or so. And you did a, I think you did one of your first, you did like a review of my packaging and you oh recorded a little video <laughs> yes. um, of like the I unboxing. 
Yeah. Okay. Yes. Oh my gosh. That was way back when. And did you have the single product, the resilience turmeric elixir at that point? Yes. It was one product. It was, yeah, I had just transitioned or I was in the process of transitioning away from the snack product that I had Mm. started the business with. Um, and I can't remember, I, I totally, um, I was like selling through the last of my inventory, probably around the time that we connected, um, on the snack product and going all in. Um, sort of having realized that that wasn't scalable and it was taking 80% of my energy. But this thing that was actually, you know, groundbreaking and unlike anything else in the marketplace was getting a very small percentage of my time. So I, I made the big leap, even though I still miss that product, that uh, I had to focus all of my energy on it. So at that point, I think it was all resilience to Mark Elixir. Yeah. And I mean, gosh, there's a, there's a lesson right there before we even get into the official learnings. You had, you had the wherewithal to recognize that the initial product, the one that you love so much and clearly like still it has a place in your heart, wasn't the one that was going to get you to that next, next level. So you left, I don't even know if I ever tried that, the snack mix. You You probably didn't. It was a super seed snack. And I still have people who email me occasionally or will ask me at markets, is it coming back? (laughs) Um, it, it still hasn't, there hasn't been another product like it. So who knows, maybe one day I'll have a sister brand or I'll, I'll, I'll bring snacks into the fold, but for now, I have to. It's interesting. It's like you have, you have to focus, and yet at the same time, you have to grow your offering. So it's an interesting push and pull of of deciding what, where to put your energy. And there are products that that you know I think all founders sometimes like are very dear to their hearts, but they have to let go of in the interest of staying in business. Yeah, not only letting go of. But I also see see it as a practice to stay focused on the products that that you do have that are the maybe they're the margin makers or maybe they're the fan favorites or you know whatever role they're playing in your business. But I don't know if you've experienced this, Angelina. It's slightly different, but I experience this a lot. It's essentially the boredom. I say this in the very nicest way, but the or the repetitiveness of constantly selling the same thing over and over and over again. Sort of, except that I'm still like, I think it's, it's, it's amazing when, whenever someone comes and helps me at a market mm-hmm. and they see me and, or even the other vendors at tables next to me, they're like, I don't understand how you're like, you, every person who comes up to you, you have the same enthusiasm and you're telling them the same things. Don't you get tired of saying the same thing over and over again? And I'm like, no, because <laughs> I really, 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 I'm, excited about my the turmeric elixir is still it's just it's to me it's like nothing all of the turmeric products that have come out into the market there's nothing like what i make and i feel really blessed about that but i also have this compulsion that i want everyone who can benefit from it to to know that it's out there and even if it's like someone who peripherally is interested and like you never know what their their mom might need it or their sister might need it or their coworker might need it and you know anyone that I can you know spread the word to uh and letting them know that you know just buying any old turmeric isn't going to do anything for them and I don't really get into this what I, I tend to focus on is is what makes mine superior 
Um, but, you know, The Economist just did an article, uh, really like sort of a, a big sort of expose on how bad turmeric production is in India okay. Um, okay. and how how much, you know, lead there is. And like, you know, it's it's one of the reasons it's something I've always taken seriously. So it's one of the reasons when I rebranded, I, I made sure I put my testing certificates on my website because I want people to know that this is not smoke and mirrors. This is something real. I want this to be nourishing. This is something I drink. This is something my mom drinks. You know, this is something I want all my loved ones to always have on hand when they need it. Um, and so, yeah, I, I get it. I get the like, you know, saying the same thing over and over. <laughs> but, but like, you know, it's it's kind of amazing that I launched this thing in almost nine years ago, mm -hmm. the, the turmeric elixir and my love for it and my like will to make sure it gets to people is hasn't flagged at all. Well, for me, um, it goes back to your, your like through and through, you always come back to this like genuine desire to help people with your product line. Right. Yes. And there's so much. Gosh, I, there, this sounds so cheesy, but I'm just going to say it like there's so much love and integrity in your product that you are offering to people both. You know, I see it both as a healing and nourishing product, but also just a freaking delicious product. Thank you. Yeah, that that's really important to me because I I've always tried and and I think part of it also comes from the fact that you know my elixir was something that I believe in so much because in two months of using it I never had a migraine again. That was that was like the proof was really in the pudding. Like it really helped me. It changed my life. And then I noticed that the menstrual cramps that I always had all my life stopped happening every month at least until I had COVID, <laughs> but that's another story. Um, and, you know, that I wouldn't have the same kind of hangovers when I had a couple of drinks. Um, and, you know, I just noticed that my body literally had a different level of resilience. Um, and so that, the integrity part, you know, for me, it's like, if if I didn't 100% believe in that, um, and I, I think that's, that's always, that's, always been a critical thing in my business like that passion and that integrity is what has kept me going yeah. money has never been the driving force and i think that's that's a big that's a big way that like it's 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 something that really sets my business apart from yeah. from others yeah and I've, my brain is going in a couple different directions <laughs> i feel like there's so much stuff i want to talk about but i i've got two things that i want to say here number one I also want to be clear for our listeners that this is your full-time job. When you say that money isn't the driver, it's not like you have some cushy, you know, job in some nope. other industry where you're making a six-figure salary and that's funding your brand. Like this, this is your job. This is your yeah. The, your the, yes. And and I and I have done it. I, I don't have a partner supporting me. I, you know, I I don't have a trust fund. Um, this has <laughs> fully been bootstrapped. Um, I have had privilege in, in being able to access, like when I couldn't get lend lenders to give me money. Um, you know, there have been times when I have borrowed against my mom's house. Um, and, you know, even that is 
is something of a privilege. But um, now I have sort of built up credit and it's it's not cheap. But, um, you know, as many people have pointed out, like, even though I'm paying higher interest rates, the fact that I have access to that capital and don't actually have to give up equity in my business right now while it's still sort of finding its footing um, means that I I retain full control of all the decision making, which is priceless. Um, so it hasn't been an easy road, but it, it's definitely, I don't have any regrets about the way that I've, I've built this. Thank you for being so transparent in that too. I think it's, it's really easy to see other founders, you know, on Instagram or, you know, at trade shows and see their splashy booths or their like <laughs> Whole Foods launch or whatever it is. And thinking like, God, like, you know, how are they doing it? How are they moving faster? Like, why not? Why am I I not having that same, you know, quote unquote level of success? And it's really um the the comparison is is hard and it's not it's, it's not always what we see, obviously, on the internet. It's it's really hard. And and I and I I know enough to know what my business could look like if I could have put the gas on in some mm-hmm. some respects. Um but you know. You know, I, I always say like I'm, I am the tortoise. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like having been not forced to, but having chosen to go slow has also allowed me to make mistakes cheaper, um, to pivot faster, to like follow my instincts as things have changed and grown. So, do you think that going slower has ultimately been the best decision for your business or or how do you know how do you know I don't know that there's a way to know mm-hmm. um I think that this is this is where you have to lean in where I've been learning to lean into trust that you know my journey is my journey um and that you know, I I have I have followed the path that has unfolded, and trusting that you know that the seeds I've planted are are bearing the fruit, and 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 that you know I have to trust in what that fruit is. But I have to trust that 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 isn't happening by mistake, um, and you know. I saw with the launch of the the chai concentrate we've we've talked about this a lot that it was the concentration of of so much of my experience of the community that I built of the resources that I have um and I created something that I fully a year and a half ago wasn't sure was possible frankly 8 months ago I wasn't sure if it was going to happen like if it was actually going to be the product I wanted it to be and I sort of said that if I can't make the product that tastes better is better for the planet um and and works for the customers that I'm making it for then I'm not going to do this product because it's a huge shift in investment let's talk more about the chai concentrate though 
Okay. I love that you just said it's the concentration of all of your learning, all of your experience, all of your passion, all of that stuff. And remind me the timeline here. Okay. So you were saying 18 months ago, you didn't know if you yeah. could eight months ago, you didn't know if you were going to make this like, right. So it launched over the summer, right? Yeah. I, July I sort or so? of, June, July. Yeah. I mean, I technically, I launched it for food service, uh, in, in the summer, um, mm-hmm. through, uh, my, my food service distributor Odeco. Um, and then I, I just did like a launch of it on my website, um, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, because people kept saying, well, that's great that coffee shops are going to have it, but it's not in my coffee shop. Uh, so, you know, can I get some for me? Um, so, so yeah, I, I was like, well, you know, figuring out how to ship glass is a pain in the butt, but uh, I'll do it. Um, but yeah, so I, I originally, so I launched the chai masala in, at the end of 2020, and will you explain um, the difference if if our yes. listeners are okay, like what's chai masala versus the chai concentrate? Like just like in the most simple terms, tell us the difference between these things. So yes, chai masala is chai means tea, masala means spice blend. So chai masala is a spice blend for tea. Yes. Masala chai is a spiced tea. Tea. And chai is just tea. It has no like so uh, a cup of uh, Darjeeling first flush, you know, no spices, very you know, carefully brewed um, is 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 also chai. Right. Um, so um, so yeah, it's it's an interesting thing because there is an education component to this and. Yeah. Um, and when I launched the chai masala, I, you know, I remember a couple of people were like, I ordered this thinking that, you know, it was going to be mm-hmm. chai, even though I say spice blends on there, even though the ingredients are there, uh, people didn't understand. And people still refer to it as chai, which is also confusing because chai masala as a blend existed before chai, masala chai was a thing in Indian yes. culture. So it's an ancient Ayurvedic thing. People did make chai, like a chai type drink with these spices as a curative digestive uh, tonic um, Mm -hmm. in milk. Um, So sometimes that was with saffron. Sometimes that was with turmeric. People had different recipes for this. And I think I, I, I should know this history better, but essentially I think those things kind of came together um and actually had a political component to them too but mm. you know uh it, it was partially a, an issue of the quality of tea that was being mm. was accessible in india as as tea became a commodity that was grown there um so anyway that's a that's a whole other story but um chai masala is a thing on its own i've had a ton of customers who who do want to drink a latte kind of drink, but don't want the caffeine. So I do have actually a lot of customers who drink it as a chai type of drink on its own. And that is actually full of good benefits. However, you know, getting that into coffee shops uh, was when I really saw that um, 
you know, they didn't quite know what to do with it. It wasn't something that was in their comfort zone. I did do a great collaboration with Maman where they made a mocha with it. Um, I've had a lot of bakers who make uh, cupcakes or sugar cookies or uh, whipped cream or buttercream frostings with it. And it's just, you know, I use it in my cranberry sauce. We use it, I use it in my sweet potatoes. My sister uses it in our pumpkin pie. So it's like, it's, it's just a great spice blend. Um, but I really wanted to, it's, it's been a personal pain point for me that um, the chai that's in coffee shops is derivative of Starbucks. Um, it, you know, chai is, masala chai in India is, is it's, it's a vibe. It's, it's like, it's love, it's comfort, it's so many things. And it's so delicious. And it's not a delicious that is, how do I say this? It's, it's, not, a, it's not a delicious that is, is hard for people to approach. I think you've been to mm. India, I'm sure mm. like the first time you had a cup of masala chai, some people might find it too sweet on the streets of India, but it's like this it's just, it's, it's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing comfort, thing. Comfort yeah. for me. Um, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's a cozy cup of deliciousness. And I do think that a lot of people who are going into coffee shops are looking for that. They're looking for an alternative to coffee. Maybe they want something with less caffeine, but they want that mm-hmm. latte experience. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I think what's happening is that a lot of people are, are nervous that, People have gotten used to this Starbucks derivative chai. That's that is what all of the products that are currently on the market, you know, with maybe some smaller exceptions, but most of the the ones that are dominating the market are like have nothing to do. Just shouldn't be called masala chai. Well, yeah, I mean, we can just call it what it is. It's culturally appropriated chai, right? A hundred percent. And it's, and it's like culturally diluting, which is the thing that Mm. really I think is painful. And it's, you know, I I think of the day when people can walk into a coffee shop and order a cup of masala chai and actually get something that tastes subcontinental. And that to me actually makes me more hopeful about the world. It actually makes me feel like, you know, this is a world that we live in a country where we appreciate culture, where we embrace other cultures, that we learn to love other cultures, Some often through these little tastes of them. Um, and I do think the cultural appropriation thing is tricky because I don't think that necessarily has to come from someone who is of Indian origin. But I think the, the, there's a lack of respect in the products that are there. There's a lack of integrity in them. And I, and I think that's it's it's something that I do think it's easier to have when you're you have deep roots in the culture. Um, so I have I generally have a hard time when I see products that you know whether it's something churro flavored or something you know chai flavored or whatever, and I don't see them making a thoughtful connection to the culture. Right. Um, and I think that you know if that shift is going to happen in this country, it's going to start in a city like New York. And when I heard from my distributor that um, there was nothing in their roster that was made by a South Asian, I was like, okay, I feel like that's a call. That's, that's like an indication to me that the product is not there. 
the chai masala is not a solution. Like I talked to enough coffee shops to know that adding the masala to the tea isn't something that they can do, especially with the quantity of chai that they're selling. So it was like, I need to, I talked to a lot of the coffee shops that I work with, tried to understand what their workflow is, why the concentrate. I was so anti-concentrate for years. Know, if you talked to I me remember. five years ago, I've been like, never, never, never. <laughs> and then last I year, remember. I kind of was like, okay, okay. If concentrate is the thing that they need it to be, then let me make a more responsible concentrate. Let me make it something that's an ultra concentrate. I really think this one-to-one concentrate, it's like, why that is is still the the standard is is bizarre to me when you know like every laundry detergent in the world is going to an ultra concentrate or even to like the little sheets or pods or whatever why are we still shipping pallets and pallets of liquid when you know if you ultra concentrate it uh you're you're just being easier on the planet um and and so that was something that was super important to me. Um, but then again, I was like, I don't know if it was possible. Um, yeah. And it was really about that finding... From the production point of view, you didn't know if like literally you could make this. And if it could I be, couldn't. again, the quality that you wanted. I think I got it to a like a one to four. I got it to a one to five. I didn't know if I could get it to a one to seven, which means basically that it's one ounce of the concentrate with seven ounces of milk and water to make an eight ounce cup of chai. Um, which also I wanted it to scale easily for baristas. So I wanted it mm. to be one ounce or two tablespoons for an eight ounce cup, three tablespoons or one and a half ounce for a 12 ounce, and then two, two ounces or four tablespoons for a 16 ounce. That's a very easy thing for them to scale. Yeah. Um, and, and like, frankly, they can like pre dilute it and, and have it in a jug if they want to do the one to one. Um, without having to like ship all that water, all, all the coffee shops have water. <laughs> so I, I, you know, and I talked to my customers, customers, existing customers about it, um, to see if that's something that they could see working. Um, and so far the ones who are using it, everyone has said it's very easy to use. Um, and it tastes great. And it's not, you know, the, the customers who have put it on their menu, haven't had any pushback on it. If anything, I think it's it's been positive. Yeah. Um, so my hope is that not only is it going to please the people who currently drink chai, but it's going to bring a whole new audience to chai who hate the sugar. I mean, I think I read something like 50, 57% of Americans are trying to reduce their sugar intake. And like one of my main competitors has 21 grams of sugar in a serving. Another competitor has 10 grams of sugar wow. per serving and mine is six. And, and it's like nicely sweet. It's, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's the equivalent of like a teaspoon and a half per cup, which is, is a nice amount of sweetness and people mm-hmm. can always add more. But, you know, even in that regard, like, you know, if, if the taste is good, if the spices are right, if the tea is right, then you need less sugar to mask it. You don't need sugar to lead. Yeah. 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 Well, let Um, me reflect back what I, what I heard you say that I I really want our listeners to pick up on this. You had, still have a really fantastic product in the chai masala, the spice mix and your direct consumer folks love it. (laughs) 
they use it to make their own chai at home. You know, they provide the tea bag, you know, they brew their tea, they add the spice mix to their cup, or maybe they're using it for baking. I personally put it in smoothies. I don't know if I've told yeah. you that. That's that's my no. favorite use for it. Oatmeal is the other, I think, uh, mm. for my home customers, one of the most yeah. popular uses, which is yeah. just, it's another way of getting good spices into our bodies, which... Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, I could, in theory put little quarter teaspoons of all of these different spices in my smoothie, <laughs> but no. But nobody has time for that. I don't have and time for that. I, I, I didn't mention, but you know, my chai masala has turmeric in it too. Right. So it's a exactly. nice way to sneak it in and get the cumulative benefits of turmeric um, exactly. without having a separate drink. The turmeric that I trust, right? Yes. Okay. So you've got this, you already have this wonderful product and others, right? But we're just talking about the, the chai masala here. And the pain point you saw was that food service accounts basically didn't want to take those steps, that it was too much of a pain in the butt to take a spice blend and put it into their brewed tea to ultimately make chai for their customers. And correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe a little bit of hesitation too, being like, our audience wants that Starbucks style chai. They, that's what they're accustomed to. Like, well, they sell a lot of it. So they they think because they sell a lot of it that people are happy with it. But when you Mm -hmm. talk to consumers, they're really not. And there's so many more people who are like, I've stopped ordering chai because it's catastrophic. That's me. That is me. I I will not do it. And, And then, okay, so you see this pain point. You have this delicious product. You see this pain point. You realize that there is a disconnect here with your food service accounts. Yeah. or your wannabe food service accounts. And so what did you do? You went and you talked to them. Yeah. I think that's yeah, I, it sounds so simple, but that's <laughs> the missing piece here. Yeah. You talked to them I about to, the concentrate, how they brew the chai, like all of those things. Yeah. I know I we talked, talked to, about refrigerated, not refrigerated, glass bottles, plastic bottles, packaging design. I mean, you oh, like, yeah, literally, that was you another, designed I was like, product. I'm not, I'm not hot filling plastic. Like that's no. just, I, I, who wants microplastics in their chai? Like that's not comforting to me. <laughs> um, no. Yeah. And there are brands who choose to do maybe glass direct to consumer, but then for their food service, they're, they're doing, doing plastic. hot fill plastics or yeah. maybe even slightly changing the recipe. So it's a little bit less expensive for their food service. And I mean, I don't want to say that quality is always tied to cost, but, you know, choosing different ingredients for the food service yes. lines and things like that. Right. So for sure. it is, it is, it's complicated. And our listeners it's know it's complicated because they're involved in all of these decisions in their own businesses too. But what I love so much about highlighting this story, and I didn't even know we were going to go this way this <laughs> on the podcast, but what I love so much about highlighting this story is that you created a product with the end consumer in mind, right? And the end consumer here being your food service accounts. Right. You created this the 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 vehicle with those end consumers in mind by talking to them along the way. Yes. And now the reception's been fantastic. It's been good. It's it's there's still resistance and I think there's, you know, it's it's not a it's not a cheap product. It's it is in line with what other things are, but it's on the more expensive end. Um, but, uh, I, I think there's a nervousness. I think, you know, people are, 
you know, I can't, I can't give the deals that other brands can give. I can't give concessions the way some, some of these folks can, um, you know, my costs are high on it, but, um, I think that what I'm really trying to convey to people is that, you know, especially with the bigger accounts is that if, if they do it and if we like let people know that not only is it going to be about the great value that they're giving customers, Mm -hmm. but that they're standing up for culture and their values um, and, and that customers will align with that. And I think that's really what I'm trying to drive home. Um, is that it's, it is about taste and it is about value and it is about ease, but it's also about, you know, all these coffee shops that have stood up and like represented what good coffee is, um, Mm. now need to, now need to extend that and, and, and represent, you know, and I think they're, they're trying to do a good job of representing the coffee culture. Um, but Chai has been an afterthought and I think it's time for that to change. So yeah, I've taken it upon myself to, to be that person because I'm here, I'm in New York and I have, I have the capability and, and realizing that I had the capability, um, was kind of mind blowing to me. I remember sitting there after like, I texted the people who are now my co-packers and they've been friends for years and um, they've helped me along the way. And, and, uh, the fact that I get to work with them now on this has been the most wonderful experience. Um, but I remember texting Mike and, and asking him if it's something he might be able to help me with and being like, wait, I know I have this, I can do this. This is really something that I can do. And, and, and going back to what we were talking about, that's, that's, Partly because I've waited for the timing to be right on things. Um, I haven't rushed them. If I had tried to do this product four years ago, I would have done it more. I, I would have done it with less information. I would have done it with less resources. I would have probably had to do it with more compromises. Um, so going slow is, has, has really benefited me that way. Having said that, I, I, I think now I feel like there's like a nat- natural momentum that is is building. Yeah. So for our listeners who are like, oh my God, I never even thought about the chai that I'm ordering at my neighborhood coffee shop. <laughs> what should they do? What would your wish um, be? They should request they should ask what is being served. I ask about everything. I'm very picky about my matcha. Of course, I'm, I'm always curious about what turmeric people are serving. Um, but I, I think, you know, coffee shops need to know that, that their customers actually care. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe, you know, stop buying the bad stuff. Like when you know that when you do hear that there are authentic products, uh, that are better tasting and a, actually a better value for your dollar. Um, go out of your way to patronize the coffee shops that you know that value. I do that. Yeah. That value them. Yeah, and, and value what they're they're where they're spending their money. I think the wonderful thing about our listeners is that by and large they they are people who care and who also are trying to grow emerging brands. So I'll just, I'll say it for you, Angelina, <laughs> if you are listening to this podcast and 
you are, and Anjali's message resonates with you, ask your coffee shop for something different. Go to Anjali's website and order some chai. (laughs) (laughs) The concentrate's amazing. I mean, gosh, all of your products are so amazing. And you just came out with gift boxes for the season. Gosh, yes, I'm, it's the first time I've done this. I've I've always sold a lot of gifts and I've had yeah. people who have like bought gifts for teachers and partners and parents, especially I sell a lot of gifts for moms. Yeah. And and they've always just come in regular boxes. Um, there was a time when I was handwriting the notes and shipping it yeah. myself, but those days aren't there. So I really wanted to uh, let people have a little moment of wow when they when they actually open yeah. the package and, and have that the message of the gift of good roots um, and and the love that the products are made with come through and in that gift packaging. So yeah, they're beautiful. Perfect. Perfect for the holidays. We'll link that up all in the show notes and stuff too. But um, I just, I really want to, I want our listeners to know that they, they can make a difference. Thank you. Yes. Anybody who wants to request it, it is, so it's on Odeco and it's also on Barista Underground. So coffee shops nationwide can actually uh, can can buy it now. Yeah, great. Okay, before I let you go, I I want to just dig into this one topic that you mentioned a a couple times. Okay, this idea of trust and going slow. Yeah. Yeah. And I know you and I. One of the concerns of of having a conversation that felt a little bit more. I don't know how would I call it like a little bit more like woo woo or like heartfelt (laughs) like we don't want to just talk in cliches because we've heard the cliches but yeah how the heck how the heck did you learn to trust yourself well part of it's been working with you (laughs) I didn't cue you up for that I promise you did not you did not yet (laughs) but um I I do think that um especially, you know, doing this on my own, um, making the commitment to myself to make the time to work with you to actually, you know, do do the traction reports to like, have the reflection to see my own progress. Um, Doing that self work and making sure that I'm always in alignment. I think, you know, it's always been clear to me that I wanted to do this business with integrity, but it's also been easy for me to get caught up in hustle culture and comparing myself to other people. And every time I sort of slow down and stop, you know, it's, it's been, we've gone back over and over to, you know, what are my values? What, what is the perspective that I want to have on these things? Um, And I think it's been, not about becoming something different. Um, I feel like growing has actually been about letting go of those masks and defenses and and being more confident in who I am and what I bring to this industry. Um, and yeah, and and that like there is a there is an intrinsic value to showing up as ourselves and bringing what we can to the world. Oh, so well said. And I've seen you. I mean, we have, we've coached together for two years now. Yeah. 
And for anyone who's like, wait, Allie, like you told me you don't take one-on-one clients. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just, let me just set the stage here that when I did, I did this 200 hour leadership coaching certification. And part of it was that I needed to have paying clients because I had a supervisor. I had a, I had a coach who was literally like, watching my coaching and giving me feedback and like approving what I, you know, training me and giving, saying like, yes, I had to like sit for a whole certification exam, like all of that sort of stuff. And so Anjali was one of my very first clients that I took through my certification program. And honestly, we've been working together ever since. I don't really take one-on-one clients anymore. So it it feels really it's really special for me to have a, a handful of folks with whom I work very closely. And let's be clear, Anjali, it's not consulting anymore. Like it is, we are coaching and there's yes. a subtle difference there, but like, you know, we're not talking about extending shelf life and pitching <laughs> to buyers and how to do your sell sheet. You know, like, like, you know, all that stuff. We're focused on you as the business owner. That's yeah. It's, it's really been, I think that's, I mean, there, there have been moments. I, yep, I, I know there are moments where, where you've, you've been able to step into that, which has been, uh, you know, uh, priceless. But I, I think really that, that thing of, of helping me, uh, be more confident and be more myself. Um, and, and really, I think I'm, I'm really starting to witness myself, uh, handling things better handling things more authentically. Um, and, and that I, I, I know people can't work with you, but I, I, I just think that, you know, investing in yourself and realizing that, you know, like my tagline is the gift of good roots. Um, and it's, you know, it's about my heritage. It's about wanting to nourish people's roots so they can be their best selves. But, you know, I have realized that if, I'm not nourishing my own roots. If my, if the gift of good roots doesn't start with me, then, you know, it really, it, 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 it's short changing the people that I want to serve ultimately. Um, and, you know, and we've talked about this, that this year I've, I've made more product launches. I've made more money and ultimately I've worked less hours than yeah. in any year in my business. Yeah. Okay. Let's, I'm just going to say it again here. And I was like, shoot, is she going to say it or am I going to say it? Cause we got to get this on the podcast here. You reach out to me. I think it was, it was in Q3 and you were like, Allie, I just hit all of 2022 sale by Q3 of 2023, right? You made yeah. just as many sales in three quarters of the year as you did in the previous year. And the fourth quarter is your busiest season. Yeah. It usually represents about 35 to 40% of my sales. Yeah. Okay. So I got that text or Slack message, however you sent it. And I was just like, heck yes. Like this is why, (laughs) this is why we do this work. And the, here's, here's the key piece. You said it, you worked less than you ever have before. And you vastly exceeded your sales goals. Your biggest year yet and working less than you ever have. 
Yeah. And, and, and I really, I, I can't encourage people enough to like really take work-life balance seriously. Like it feels like if you take your foot off the gas that, you know, your business is going to suffer, but, but really like if you're finding yourself saying no to fun things in life and you're, you're not enjoying the process every day, um, it's, it's, it's just not sustainable, but it's also like, it's not fun. Like we want to keep our passion alive for our own life as individuals and as business owners. Um, so however, however we can do that, it's, it's only going to grow things. And I don't know that I fully believed it until that moment. There was, it's, it looking at those numbers. It's amazing. Looking at the numbers and seeing that, Oh, I did it. Like really this, this really happened. Like it actually worked. Um, it makes me really believe that it, it gives me much more confidence about the future of my business and it being sustainable because I think I can have the life that I want, which I didn't have for many years. Like Ali, you know, I feel like the first seven, eight years of my business, I was, uh, I was very much teetering on the brink of burnout Yeah, for years of it. Well, I think that's um, one of the reasons why you said yes to coaching. That's why you yeah. hired me, right? You were at that point, you were like, something has to change. And I want to be clear here for our listeners who are like, okay, well, somehow, somehow it worked out for Anjali and like, <laughs> lucky her. You know, when we started coaching together, you, you didn't have this mindset. You were in hustle mode. You were working nights and weekends. You were like, really um i mean yes of course you like took time off and and but you knew that it was unsustainable but yet you were still you were still doing it because i think you you really held on to this belief that that was the only way that it was going to work out that you couldn't possibly work less and have and yet i even more success it never aligned with my values that that Mm -hmm. mentality never felt right to me but it felt like i had to I had yes. to push myself to be that person that I should be more like that, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. All the shooting. Yeah. Yes. Um, but but you know, I think the thing is when I went into when I followed through on the the because there was a point when I I had the rebrand ready to go and I was like, mm-hmm. am I actually gonna produce and, and do this? Um and you know, at the point that I committed to doing this rebrand, I knew that it was gonna be a lot of work. Um, but I, I knew that there needed to be a dramatic shift. And, and that was when we started, um, working together. Um, and I, I started, I started really committing to making the life that aligned with the mission of this business. It's been such a, it feels like such a privilege to witness you grow in this way, Anjali. Thank you. I'm really, really grateful for you. I'm really, I, I feel really lucky and I don't want to rub it into anyone, but I, I think, you know, everyone should, should be, you know, blessed to find someone that they can, can work with and feel as safe with and, and, and trust the way I trust you. Um, Thank you. It really is a blessing. Thank you. For our listeners who are like, you know, oh, I want that. I'll just say, you never know. So if you're listening and you're like, <laughs> Allie, I want to work together. Just reach out. You know, of, of course, I'll, you never know. I'll, I'll be honest with, with my capacity too. 
Okay, gosh, I feel like we could make this an entire series of episodes together, Anjali, <laughs> but I'm going to have us start to wrap up here. So I've got one question left and I want you to tell our listeners where where's the best way to keep in touch with you, either as a fellow food founder or someone who wants to buy some of the, you know, the products that we talked about, yeah. the gift, bag, <laughs> gift boxes, like how the heck do people keep in touch with you? So the website is AnjaliesCup.com, A-N-J-A-L-I-S-C-U-P.com. Uh, and then uh, Instagram is at AnjaliesCup. Um, I am most active on Instagram. If you send a DM there, it is going to come to me directly. Um, if you send an email to hello at AnjaliesCup.com, uh, that will also come to me. The customer service app on the website comes to me. So I am I am pretty reachable, um, and uh, and yeah, I'm I'm always happy to connect and and find more kindred spirits in the community. Mm. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here with us today. I I so appreciate you and all the wisdom that you have for our community. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today, my whizzes. I want to know how did you like this unscripted conversation with a fellow food founder. I personally, I gotta say, I have learned so much from Anjali over the past years. Gosh, I don't know, six years, seven years. And I really wanted her to come back on the podcast and to share her wisdom with you as well. So if you liked this style episode, can you please take a moment and let me know? I mean, even better, gosh, share this episode, tag both me and Anjali's cup in your stories and help us shift the conversation around chai in the U.S., it's time. And as always, you can find all of today's links and resources in the show notes. Click on through, continue the conversation with us. And hey, I was being sincere in the episode. If you are looking for a values-aligned business coach, just reach out. You never know when I'm going to take on new clients or what's going to be in store in 2024. So send me a DM or drop me an email and we'll talk. Next week, I'm going to be back with another episode that builds on this theme of going slow, of finding your true purpose and aligning with your values. I got to say, I am building my vulnerability muscle over here. <laughs> and next week's show puts it to the test as I share about my own goals for 2024 and what I've been working on with my own coach as well. So I'll see you right back here next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Food Biz Wiz. If you're enjoying this podcast and the tools it gives you for growing your packaged product business, please subscribe so you never miss an episode. From one small business owner to another, I am deeply grateful for your support of this podcast, and I appreciate it when you share it with your fellow food founders, share it on social media, or leave me a review on your listening platform. Ready for more? Find out how we can work together at foodbizwiz.com. I'll see you right back here next week.